interesting how I always think we're alike, but we're not. I think when you're young, you think, oh, everyone's so different to me. Everyone's different. Have we actually had this exact conversation on the podcast before? I think we, I'm having deja vu. You know, you think you're so different. You think you're, you know, no one understands you. Then you realize, oh, everyone's kind of just like you. Everyone's got the same problems. Everyone's got the same insecurities. And then when you get older, you realize, no, I'm really different now. <laughs> you know, you've had like another like decade of, you know, just diverging. And you realize like other people don't think at all the same way as me. I'm like totally different. You know, like different lifestyle, different life circumstances, different job. When you are a teenager or whatever, you're actually very similar to other teenagers, even though you think you're really different, even though you might externally try and make yourself really different by being like a goth or being a jock or whatever. But internally, you're not that different. But once you get to like 30, 40, 50, 60, I think you are really different. I feel the same as everyone now. I think I've lost all my personality. You've just if become. I had some. You've you never become, had anything. I'm going to cut you off for the past. You've become this bland amalgam of. I have no original thought anymore. I just leech off everyone else's. I just do what everyone tells me to. Really? I thought everyone has the same problems as me. It's really disappointing. We share the same problems. Everyone has the same problems. Do I buy the Porsche or do I buy the Jaguar? Do I buy this? Oh, buy the- both. <laughs> just buy both, Ting. That's what you'll tell me. To be, to be clear, we don't have this problem. We did buy both. No, we don't have this problem. Neither of us is buying a car. I feel like this entire conversation has become a minefield and we should backpedal furiously. At least last time we had the Four Loco to blame. Yeah, no Four Loco. No food challenge. No drink challenge. Food challenge, yes. Food challenge, yes. Food challenge, yes. Wait, what do you have for me? It's a tin food. I'll give you three guesses and we'll just move on anyway, in case you hit it in one, because sometimes you're a bit special like that. Wait, is it like a Chinese food stuff? No. Oh, I was going to guess it was something wacky, like some weird pickled seafood or something. It's not a Chinese food stuff. Is it a vegetable? Nope. Now I'm worried. <laughs> the clue is, April bought some for herself, but upon reading the labels, she realised that she shouldn't be eating it, and that... I should also not try it. But you want me to eat this. So, on the front of the packet, it looks quite innocuous. <laughs> I was actually really worried it was going to be something like this, and it really is. <laughs> why, why, why are you worried it's something like this? Oh. Okay, I'm just going to read out the label, and then it should become apparent why I was worried it was something like this. I mean, it's obviously a matter of preference, but to me it sounds fundamentally unappetizing. Crown Prince Natural Boiled Whole Oysters in Water. Mm-mm-mm. Read the warning on the back, please. <laughs> it's okay, let's read the warning. <laughs> warning. Contains chemicals known to California to cause birth defects and reproductive harm. <laughs> yeah, but it's California. They put that on everything. So we have some? You say we. <laughs> it's only me eating it, right? Because April has vetoed you eating any. Yeah, unless you really want me to. No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll eat my delicious boiled whole oysters. But these, this tin of food had really good reviews. Let's be clear here. I've not bought this to, to hurt you. No. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Why did you buy it in the first place? Abel said it had good reviews. <laughs> but you just felt like buying boiled whole oysters. I don't know. <laughs> it was like, you know, average customer rate reviews. Oh, boiled whole oysters. Did you buy this from Amazon? I think it was another, like, mail order It's from, like, place. Taobao or something. <laughs> <laughs> to explain a lot. If you pull off this label, there'll be another label underneath. <laughs> Mercury, known to contain trace amounts of oyster. How much am I making you eat? Gosh. 100... Best before May 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost feel like I should save it for when, you know, the inevitable war with North Korea... Oh, it's a product of South Korea. (laughs) This is really perfect. Oh, boiled oysters should be rinsed to eliminate any shell fragments. The juice may be strained for use. (laughs) The occasional green appearance in oysters is natural and not considered harmful. (laughs) It's not ideal, is it? Okay, so I'm eating this, am I? Uh, Are you going to rinse them? No, I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay, fine. So, Food Challenge 2017. Are you going to open it by the mic? 
Uh, yeah, you're right. So I'm by the mic to get the full experience. Okay, you can hear it. You'll have to imagine the smell. Let's do some background. Are you a fan of oysters? Not especially. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this, this looks really, really dubious. Ooh. Wow. That is extremely dubious. <laughs> so if I serve that to you in a buffet, cold, would you know? It tastes like an oyster. It tastes not unpleasant, but neither does it taste pleasant. <laughs> it literally just tastes like a boiled oyster. You know what? It's exactly what it says on the tin. Can you taste those chemicals? They look fine to me. Seriously. The California birth defects chemicals thing, they put that on everything. It's probably mercury or something, you know, because all seafood's got mercury and stuff in it. Well, yeah, they're just boiled oysters. It's interesting. I mean, now I've opened the tin, I feel like I should kind of eat them. You should eat them. So this is my dinner sorted, is it? No delivery. <laughs> can we talk about resolutions, or do you not want to go down that route again? Yeah, we can go down that route. You want me to resolve to make a game next year? Which is what I resolved to do last or, year. Or double down on PUBG. Double down on PUBG? Are we committing to PUBG? We're going to make a game. Why not both? I don't know. We'll see, let's see how it goes. It's true. They, 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 there is a reality where you can do both. Oh, see how it goes. I mean, Global Game Jam coming up again. Let's see if I'm inspired to make anything out of that. Or PUBG, you never know. Maybe I'll get to 50 followers and then get affiliate. Maybe it'll go viral. Maybe my stupid face and my heart rate sensor. I like your dreaming again. You can make the next goat simulator or your stupid face could be everywhere. Your stupid face can be everywhere. Imagine your stupid face on that billboard, looking down at everyone. Yeah, thanks. What's your resolution? Fail less. No, because you know how I work. You, you've always, you've met my philosophy on life with disdain. You've, I know, I just enjoy the journey. No goals, no disappointment. But then you've also followed that up with that's what losers say. <laughs> Spoken like a loser. Did we record that? Was that on podcast? I can't remember. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. You know, fail more is actually probably a good maxim to live by anyway. You should try things. Try and fail. We just try, you know. Don't 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 focus on the fail. It's like try wanting to fail. That, that makes no sense either. Yeah, trying to fail is probably... <laughs> trying to fail is setting yourself up for success. <laughs> Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. And with me... Today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Father Ting. I was trying to think if I could make a Father Christmas joke, but then I realised that by this time this podcast is released, Christmas will have been and gone. You can make a post-Christmas joke. A post-Christmas joke? Yeah, you're good enough. <laughs> you're good enough. What did Rudolph say to... No, I really am not good enough. <laughs> we are book club for games. But not today. But not today. Today it's our 2017 wrap-up, where we look back on the year 2017. Last year we had, like, things. We had hats. And party streamers, and, like, hand clackers. And noise. <laughs> noise for Loco. This year, I feel like we've planned this terrible... You kind of sprung this on me. You were like, can we just record this episode today? And I was like, what? And you were like, yeah, come on, just it'll be fine. And I was like, um, okay then, I haven't really done any prep. And you were like, well, I don't really have any other time to record. I was like, okay, fine. Let's just go with it. Let's just see how it turns out. <laughs> we got we got a cup of tea and some oysters. <laughs> I think it's not going to reach peak ludicrousness. I guess that was last year. <laughs> Sad face. Well, you never know. Is something going to happen in, in, in the 60 minute mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Like a reindeer is going to just like burst in. <laughs> or fingers are crossed. Why would it be a reindeer? <laughs> you know, it's after Christmas. It's not after Christmas. We're recording this before. We're recording this like a month in advance. <laughs> because I am going to be in the UK. If you need anything ferried to the UK, 
please email Mike. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Also, by the time you hear this episode, I'll actually be back in Hong Kong, so it'll be too late. It'll be too late. If you want to be disappointed, email Mike. <laughs> Definitely. That's... This is actually like all year round advice. You don't have to save it, especially for this podcast. You can just email me whenever you like and be disappointed. And then we'll pivot the whole podcast. <laughs> the disappointment cast. <laughs> Welcome to disappointment cast with stupid face Ting and I don't know, disappointing Mike. Where we just, what do we do? Attack fiercely disappointment. We engage disappointment with smiles and stupid humor. We go through our resolutions for the past year and talk about how we failed to achieve any of them. Decades of resolutions that we failed. Excellent, excellent. But that's that's a podcast for another day. What are we going to talk about today? So we're looking back on what we played in 2017 and what we liked, what we missed, giving some thoughts on the book club games, looking forward to 2018. Crap, welcome for 2018. Do you have any thoughts on 2018? <laughs> I was just about to like telepathically communicate that to you. Let's talk about 2018. Do you have any ideas of 2018? Of course I do. Okay, I don't. You'll have to incept some. Okay. Do some charades whilst we're on mic. So looking back on 2017, you wanted to talk about things we've played but didn't pick up on throughout the year. So what do you have? Well, you did a very brief stats overview. I mean, you like to look through what we've been playing on Steam and PlayStation. And I think it's funny, you commented that I've actually played more Binding of Isaac on the Switch than I have Breath of the Wild. And I played more Breath of the Wild than I did anything else on the Switch, other than Binding of Isaac. So, 65 hours of Binding of Isaac? I can't believe that. I mean, I can believe it. I did play it a lot. (laughs) But I'm kind of surprised it's that much. It's even more if you add the PC hours as well. Yeah, I I played like 30 hours on PC. I just think Binding of Isaac was a really good game to play on the Switch because the controls actually work really well. You don't have to play it twin stick. You can actually use kind of like two D-pads, which is much closer to how I play on the PC with, you know, two hands on the keyboard. Because Binding of Isaac is actually a very kind of digital kind of game. Unless you get a certain power-up, you can only shoot in the four cardinal directions anyway. So playing with kind of two D-pads actually feels much more natural and much closer to how it is on the keyboard. I don't know, I just thought the Switch version was a pretty good version. It's a version with, you know, the expansion packs and it's portable and it doesn't drain your battery that much. You can get like six plus hours out of the Switch playing by Novizo. Did you play it portably? Well, so when I went on holiday various times in the year, I would just bring the Switch along when I was playing Binding of Isaac. I did also spend a stint just playing it on the couch. I'd get home from work and I'd be, you know, kind of, you want to switch your brain off, you want to do something to, you know, take your mind off things. And Binding of Isaac was a good game for that before PUBG. There were others? There were a few other games as well that I bought that we've not actually talked about on the podcast really at all. We might have mentioned them just offhand, but we never really spoke about them in depth. So. Res Infinite, Dead Cells, and Golf Story. So all games that I did actually buy and play, but I have not said very much about. I haven't actually played any of these games that much, but I did buy them and play them. There were plenty of other games I bought that I didn't play. Blame the Humble Bundle. How much Res Infinite did you play? Maybe like an hour. I was playing it with VR. That's my next question. Yeah, I mean, because I, other VR games we did... I think we mentioned that I did buy the Rick and Morty VR game eventually, and I actually played a bit of that as well. So the thing with the VR stuff is that it's a real faff to set it up, so I only kind of do it every now and then. Usually when there's guests around, they're like, oh, you've got an Oculus, can we try it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, you know, spent half an hour setting the damn thing up. How do you feel about other people's sweaty heads getting into that helmet? Hey, you know, I'm not precious about this. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't have to disinfect it between people or anything. I'm just like, yeah, just jam it on your face. Fine. Fine. You're, you're, you're more precious about it then. You're more hygienic about it then. I don't have a headset to worry about. That's why I've not bought one. That's not a reason. That's not my real reason. Any interesting stats for you? I've managed to play 30 plus hours of Baldur's Gate 2. Have you still been playing it throughout the year? I stopped when... Mario came out. How far did you get? In Baldur's Gate 2 or Mario? Baldur's Gate 2. 
I've just picked up. Nalia, is that how I say her name? Isn't this right near the beginning of the game? Are you still in Athkatla? I'm doing this properly this time. You're really annoying me. <laughs> Everything's like, oh, it's, it's trivial. Just get on with it. This is long. Your memory is really faulty. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you're in chapter two? Chapter two. But chapter two is a long chapter. Chapter two is a long chapter. Chapter two is like, yeah, like half a game. And I've, I'm doing most of the content. I'm not trying to skip stuff. You know, if there's a quest that's open to me, I'm trying to engage with it and do it properly. Unlike last time, where I tried to rush through it all. Yeah, I mean, it is a really long game, and there's a lot of quests. I mean, I don't think I did all the quests. Or maybe I did do all the quests. I did all the quests I found, but there was just so many quests that I didn't find. Have you played Dungeon Defenders? I have played it, yeah, in the past. Not this year. What do you think of Dungeon Defenders? I played some Dungeon Defenders this year. Is that a good genre? Dungeon Defenders is really interesting because it's on all sorts of platforms and it's cross-platform, isn't it? You can play it... Well, actually, I don't know about the console versions. Are there console versions? I think there are. You can play it on iOS and PC and they cross-play between each other, I think. And there's loads of DLC. It's a weird kind of hybrid shooter tower defense game. So there are four heroes, maybe more than four heroes now. And then you, you pick a hero and your hero has attacks... So, you know, different abilities to, like, directly do damage to enemies, but your heroes can also put down towers. And there are kind of different archetypes. So one of the heroes is much better at dealing direct damage, but their towers are kind of rubbish. And the other hero is, like, more of a tank and can't do much direct damage, but their towers are really good. Yeah, I played it a while back. What do you think of it? I mean, I played it a long time ago. I think there's been loads of DLC since then. Why did you play it? Is it free to play? It's not free to play, is it? I had it's just it. really cheap. And I went through like a a few months of, oh, I want trading cards. I don't know why I want trading cards. I just want trading cards. <laughs> what? And I, I realised I hadn't got the Dungeon Offenders ones. This, this thought, is a revelation. I even bought trading cards thanks to you. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. What do you mean thanks to me? Why are you going to pin this on me? You said you, you made it okay to buy trading cards. You bought trading cards, right? Damn it. He's on to me. Yeah, I did buy trading cards you said that's the only reason you have money in your steam account yeah okay <laughs> now it's the only reason i have money in my steam account oh man i've been rumbled yeah you're right well we didn't even intend to talk about this but we're going to talk about this now the gateway to it was i wanted to level up my steam level by making the badges what steam level did you want i don't know i realized that okay this is going to sound really petty now but you know it's the truth so i suppose i should tell it so I've been going to the Retro Games meetup and there were people in the meetup who had way higher Steam level than me. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. I've got like a thousand games in my Steam account. How can they have a higher level than me? And it's the badges. The badges are where you really get the level from. So I thought, oh, I'm going to make some badges. And I actually had loads of cards from loads of games. So I actually started selling my duplicate cards. And some of the cards sell for way more than others if they're like really niche games or the games that people like, like the Undertale cards, for example, sell for way more and the Danganronpa cards sell for way more than say like the Goat Simulator cards or something. And so I started selling my high value duplicate cards and then buying the cheap cards for games that I'd had almost a complete set for and just started making badges. And that was the gateway into it. And it ended up obviously with me buying PUBG cosmetic items. I mean, it's a slippery slope. At what point did you end? Did you get to an equivalent level to these strangers you didn't know. Oh no, I know all of them. It's from the Retro Games Meetup group. So the people I've met in real life. So are you are you equivalent level now? Oh no. Some of them are way higher than me. I mean, the thing is, there's a guy in the group who's got over 2,000 games in Steam account. So he just immediately is like way higher level. You know, he's doing the card thing and he has double number of games and all sorts of other stuff too. So no, it's the short answer. But I am significantly higher level than when I started. And then I realised, this is stupid. <laughs> I'm being an idiot. You learn really quickly, right? I learn really quickly, I yeah. learn really quickly as well. Yeah, fail fast. Fail fast. That's the way. But you always got like $38 something to remind you of your like your mistakes. Well, no, I don't, because I spend it all on <laughs> cosmetic items for PUBG.
we can talk about the real 2017 highlights. So this year is the year the Nintendo Switch came out. Feels like it's been around for a long time. It does feel like it's been around for a really long time, but actually it's only since, what, March? March 2017. Yeah, you pre-ordered one for me. So for both of us, it's been the year of the Switch. And for me, it's been the year of PUBG. (laughs) So currently the Switch is selling more than the other consoles. The Switch is projected to outsell the Wii U in just one year. So by March 2018 is expected that it will have outsold the lifetime sales of the Wii U. Let's talk about the success of the Switch and what you think is working and why it's working and what we can expect next year. I mean, obviously we saw Zelda and Mario come out, but it's not as simple as that. Or is it as simple as that? It's funny, I mean, if you think back to the Switch and the promise of the Switch before anyone knew what it was, and then it was this console that, you know, would be powerful but you could take it with you and everyone was confused and it's like, are they going to have to write two versions of the game and everything? And then in the end, it just turned out to be much simpler than that. It's just a portable console that you can plug into TV. But computers have got so powerful that a portable console now is actually really freaking powerful because the dock is literally just a TV capture card, basically. You know, it's just outputting the TV signal. There's, there's no extra processing power in the dock. It's just more actual literal volts so you don't have to worry about running down the battery so just literally more power rather than processing power and so the initial promise of the switch i think has been delivered on you know you could play skyrim on the go you can play splatoon on the go you can you can play any of these games on the go and it's just as good in the office they were playing mario kart did you see this i didn't see this one of of your guys really yeah just whopped out mario kart during my lunch and i'm like i'm trying to work here or maybe it was Mario Odyssey. Oh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, a whole bunch of people in the office have got Switches. But is, is it also the promise of, you know, not the promise, but also the Indies now? Yeah, the Nindies thing. I mean, is Nintendo finally getting with it? Because Nintendo used to be really indie unfriendly. And they finally realised that, wait a minute, there's a lot of money to be made here. And we don't make enough games. Oh, we do actually now, but might as well get more games on our platform. I just think it's surprising as well, because a new Mario game and a new Zelda game on a new platform. I mean, this is, it's been a long time. But what will, what will they pull out the bag next year? I actually don't even know. Everyone's talking about Smash Brothers. Of course, Smash Brothers, yes. And I don't know if anyone's meant talking about it, but Mario Maker is there. Oh yeah, I would still like them to put Mario Maker on the Switch. And they they did say in a interview rather than a, a trailer that Pokemon is in development. Yeah, a proper Pokemon RPG. So if they could just, I don't know. I don't know what's important, what franchises are important to Nintendo anymore. Because everyone wants Metroid, but who's really buying Metroid? You know what's really funny, actually? Who does want Metroid? I mean, I say I want Metroid, but do I really want Metroid? When I say I want Metroid, I actually really want Super Metroid. And having played all the Metroid games since Super Metroid, I don't think any of them have really actually done what Super Metroid did for me. So I've kind of stopped buying Metroid games. I haven't bought the new Samus Returns Metroid 2 remake, it's a 3DS, I didn't actually buy Metroid Prime 2 or 3. I didn't buy Metroid Other M because it got trash reviews. I certainly didn't buy freaking Metroid Prime Bounty Hunters, whatever that was. Metroid, I think, is much more popular in the West than it is in Japan as well. So I think that's also why Nintendo doesn't really care about it. But they did show a teaser for another Metroid game for Switch. But I couldn't tell you whether it's Metroid Prime 4 or not. Yeah, they, they, they did tease Metroid Prime 4. Who knows? It could probably be good. It could be good. Actually, you know what? I mean, it could definitely really be good. But, you know, more likely it'll be a disappointment. Why did you pre-order this and not the Wii U? Okay, do you want to know my ridiculous reason? I love your ridiculous reasons. That's the the key reason for having this podcast. It's because it wasn't region locked. I, I really wanted to buy a Wii U, but living in Hong Kong... 
and it was region locked. And I was thinking, should I try and buy an American Wii U because those games would be way easier to get in Hong Kong in English? Or do I buy a UK, like PAL EU region Wii U because I think that one day I'll move back to the UK and I don't know exactly when that's going to be. And in the end, I thought, you know what? It's easy just not to buy one and not reward them for their stupid region locking practices. So I just didn't buy one. I really almost caved multiple times. There were multiple times I walked into, you know, a game console kind of store and looked at the Wii U's and almost, almost, almost just bought one, an American one. But I always managed to resist. It's not that ridiculous. When you said it's easier not to buy one, I can relate to that. Sometimes it's just easier not to buy one. Yeah. I mean, things, I've only got limited space in my, you know, entertainment unit and stuff. And ideally, I would have bought... Ginormous flat for three people. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would have liked to have bought a Wii U and then just shelved the Wii. But if I bought a Wii U, it wouldn't actually be playing any of my Wii games. I have that problem right now. Yeah. So, you know, Nintendo, you have only yourself to blame. But then I felt like I should reward them for being region free again. So pre-ordered the Switch. And also Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, man. I mean, that trailer, after the stupid The Horse Runs Through the Trees trailer. But, you know, I remember the E3 where they showed Breath of the Wild, the full thing with the plateau and the first four shrines and stuff. And I was like, wow, they get it. I want this game. So. So let's go back to go forwards. What do you think is needed for 2018? What would you like to see? I don't know, man. Consumers are stupid. I'm stupid. I don't know what I want. I can say what I think I want. I want Mario Maker. Smash Brothers? Yeah, I kind of want Smash Brothers, but again, I think I won't really play it. It's the same reason I haven't actually bought Splatoon. It's a fun multiplayer game. And... I kind of learned my lesson with Mario Kart. You know, I bought Mario Kart and then in the end I just like hardly ever play it. They really had quite a few big hitters. They had four big games this year. We should be greedy and ask for four again next year. All right. So Mario Maker, Smash Brothers. Does Pikmin count for you? Yeah, Pikmin counts. Okay, Pikmin, Metroid. That's a good... It's achievable. Probably get Donkey Kong as one of them instead. Yeah, I never really played any of the Donkey Kong games. I mean, they're good. I just never really played them. Yeah, everyone seems to like Tropical Freeze. We can move on. So, as well as it being the year of the Switch, it's also been the year of PUBG for some. It's been the year of PUBG for, like, most of the planet, man. PUBG has completely destabilised the entire gaming ecosystem as we know it. Like, PUBG has, like, destroyed the Steam charts. PUBG has more concurrent users than the following 10 games combined. PUBG's test server has more concurrent players than, like, pretty much every game other than, like, Dota and CSGO. PUBG has just devastated gaming as a whole. Battle Royale as a genre has just exploded onto the scene and crushed all opposition. It's the last man standing. The Steam survey now shows that the most popular language of Steam is simplified Chinese because everyone in China has just got Steam to play PUBG. That may have always been the case. It's just the the difference between simplified Chinese and English has got even greater. Yeah, it's it's huge. The other interesting one is Windows 7 is now the most popular OS now. To play PUBG? Yes. Really? I mean, I'm playing it on Windows 10. But because of all the new Steam users from China. What would be very interesting to see is when Tencent released their version of PUBG and PUBG on Steam is no longer available in China, what is going to happen to PUBG? Because China will effectively become their own kind of quarantined region and only be able to play with other Chinese users. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to learn Mandarin now. Yeah, it's really funny. It's actually really funny. Like you can you can see all these people in like the US and Europe and stuff complaining about Chinese players in their region and going, when I'm auto matching, I'm just in a team of Chinese players and they just shoot me when they realise I can't speak Mandarin. It's crazy. And then obviously in Hong Kong, unsurprisingly, we're playing in Asia server. Yeah, most people can speak Mandarin. So when there's only three of us born to play PUBG, we just leave matchmaking turned off and only play with three of us because the fourth player inevitably only speaks Mandarin and none of us speak Mandarin and we're all just really confused. So I sometimes 
all play solo and try to join a squad and there'll be a squad of Chinese speakers and I do I just I don't do anything I just I'm on mute and just hopefully they don't realize and hope they're not talking to me <laughs> so how did it start your obsession with PUBG yes so weird I need to actually go back and listen to the old podcast because it strangely captured in time how it, it went from being like, oh, this game looks interesting to, oh, yeah, I tried playing it once to, I played it 100 hours, I played it 200 hours, I played it 300 hours. So it was back in July. I remember I was still living in my service apartment. I was watching you play. I remember distinctly that you still couldn't aim. Yes. It went from, I can't hit anything, I don't understand what's wrong, to the shotgun is my spirit animal, I'm only good with the shotgun, to... I'm a killing machine. But there, in the, there was an intermediate step where you were upgrading bits of your setup to <laughs> become a killing machine. I changed my mouse. I changed my networking setup. I changed my graphics card. <laughs> yeah, I basically rebuilt my PC, then remodeled part of my flat to, <laughs> to get better internet connectivity. Bought a new mouse. Bought a new hat. But by that stage, you already committed. When you started buying the new mouse... That was still quite early on. That was less than 100 hours in. Was it at that stage when you said, Ting, I'm going to become the best with a 1,000 hours? Yeah, I think that was around the time, you know, the enthusiastic amateur, a 1,000 hours in. So here you quite quickly. Yeah, it's funny. I think it's the social aspect more than anything else. It's like being back in my World of Warcraft raiding days. You know, there's a set of people I play with. We've got a chat group. We've got like a voice comm server. A message will pop up on my phone. Hey, PUBG. And they'll be like, yes, PUBG. Every night. It's kind of dangerous. To your sleep. To my life in general. I would say the social aspect is healthy. There are worse things you could be doing. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose there are worse things I could be doing. But... Not many. No, um, it's good. It's literally that it snuck up on me. I will often deliberately not play games that I think are too dangerous. I think. Come on, you sound like a stupid person. Can I say that out loud? I've said it. What do you mean? You deliberately, you deliberately don't play games you think are unhealthy, addictive, or. Sorry, I, I just, I've just offended a ton of people with low willpower and one day I'll have low willpower and say so I've just just splurged £10,000 on something on in-app purchases on like <laughs> Candy Crush you know despite having this ludicrous podcast and persona I do actually have a serious corporate job and serious climbing corporate ladder and you know serious real life other than are you climbing the corporate ladder well I was until PUBG True. Everyone has tried to make you climb the ladder. I thought you were trying to get off the ladder. I'm not going to... Yeah, I think that's fair. And so, playing hundreds of hours of computer games, you've only got so many hours in the day, and some of them have to be spent on sleep, even though I'm not doing it at the moment. And you do need to have, you know, like a social life, and you do have to kind of eat at some point as well. Like, you do have like basic bodily functions you have to deal with. (laughs) So, there's only so many hours you can afford to spend on games. Not to mention I've got my ludicrous games backlog that I want to get through at some point too. And so, when it comes to games that I think are going to take hundreds of hours to be good at, or that I could spend hundreds of hours in, usually I'm quite wary of starting them. So, to give two concrete examples of this, because like, Stellaris is on paper, exactly the sort of game I'm interested in. It's like a 4X strategy game. You have this vast galaxy, you've got all these different technologies. It did exactly what I always wanted one of these games to do, which have the multiple FTL types, like hyperspace and wormholes and like a warp drive, although apparently they're taking that out in the new version, which is a sad face moment. But anyway, I remember I played one game of Stellaris. I played 50 hours of Stellaris in just one week. What a legend. That one game, 50 hours in one week. That's a ridiculous amount of hours to play in one week, considering I had a job as well, you know. I just didn't sleep that week, pretty much. Imagine what you could do if you dedicated your your time to something else. You'd have two jobs. 
Oh, geez. So, Stellaris, after playing that one game, I was like, you know what? I shouldn't play this game. I just, like, put it to one side and I haven't touched it again since because I know it's too dangerous to start. Was that the one where you stayed up to, like, 4am on a Sunday night? Yes. Of all nights? Yes. Exactly. You know, that game is dangerous. So, that is an example of a game where I knew it was going to be bad, but I let myself play it anyway just the once. And it caused absolute chaos to my life for just one week. And I was like, you know what? Okay, we're not playing this again until, you know... Is there an expansion pack for it? Yeah, multiple sins. I've not, I've not touched it. Have you I, bought it? You've bought it already. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't bought it. Maybe I should buy it for you. Actually, I say that. Maybe I have bought it. <laughs> I haven't played it. Again, because I know, I know exactly what's going to happen if I open the box up again. Another example. League of Legends. I played it a few times. The reason I tell everyone that I don't play it is because it made me so angry. I wanted to smash my keyboard into my monitor. I've never before been so angry at, you know, with playing a game. But the other reason I could tell is because I really wanted to win. I really wanted to win, you know, because I was enjoying it. But I could also tell that I really sucked and I would probably have to put in multiple hundreds of hours to become good at that game for the mechanics of all the clicking and all like the last hit and stuff. And also just learning all the metagame of all the heroes and their interactions and all the, you know, it would take hundreds of hours. And I was like, you know what? I do not want to spend hundreds or thousands of hours to become good at this game. And so I nipped it in the bud and just never touched it again since. I take it all back. The, the second scenario is very real to me. When you're competitive, you don't want to be shit at something. And then a third example, Final Fantasy XV. It's a, what, 60 to 100 hour RPG. I mean, actually, I say Final Fantasy XV. It could just as easily be The Witcher 3 or Divinity 2, Original Sin, you know, any of these games. I know that I will really enjoy it, but I know that once I start playing it, once I get past a critical point, it's just going to snowball and I'll have to just keep playing it till the end. Is that what happened with Fallout 4? Yeah. It makes sense now. And so I generally won't start unless I think I can write off the next month. Oh, you've managed to justify yourself. You seem very sensible right now. But PUBG snuck up on me because... PUBG on paper, I like I like Battle Royale, like I really like the film Battle Royale, but I didn't think that I would enjoy playing PUBG. I mean, I thought I'd enjoy, okay, that, that's the wrong way of saying it. I thought I would enjoy playing it, but I didn't think it would like get its claws into me the way it has done. I thought I would play it, but I'd be bad at it. I'd be like, oh, whatever, let's play and mess around. But I played it and I enjoyed it. And then the social aspect kind of took over. And then it's just become this weird untamed beast of like upgrading pc parts and reading forum posts and like watching youtube videos about how to tell how far away you know the care package drop is so you can get to it before other people or know whether it's worth running for it and stuff like yeah the problem is it takes the willpower five men to stop you there right it's not just your own willpower so 400 hours of PUBG this year so we can finally finish with brendan green and how he's an inspiration to you yeah, I watched the new clip documentary about Brendan Green. Brendan Green being Player Unknown of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And he talks about how he just started making the mods for armor because he enjoyed it. And, you know, he had a game that he wanted to make and he just started making it. He had no real plan to make a lot of money from it. It's just something that he wanted to do. And then how he was living with his parents on the dole, the dole being like government welfare back in Ireland, when he got the call from Bluehole to come and consult on, you know, their new game they were making. And then he's recounting the story of how on his 40th birthday, he's in South Korea, just having beers with people he barely knows, but it's his 40th birthday. And he's on this like wild ride that ends with, you know, he goes to buy champagne for his team when they make their first million dollars in sales, which is 16 hours after it goes into early access. Like, it goes nuts. PUBG is, like, a phenomenon. So, yeah, there's still hope for me yet. I'm not 40 yet. But it is all thanks to him. The fact that John, you know, people were looking out for him and what he was going to do next. Yeah, I mean, things. it's not a new idea. Like, Battle Royale as a concept, I guess, has existed since, I guess, since the film. 
And there have been plenty of attempts to try and capture the feel of it. I mean, you can look at H1Z1, which, you know, Brendan Green did also consult on. But H1Z1 is a different game to PUBG. And there's also the the armor Battle Royale mods too. There's something about PUBG is in just the right place. You know, Fortnite, Armor, H1Z1, they all have, on paper, the same elements. But there's a reason PUBG is number one. You know, it's just more fun to play. So to finish up on the 2017 highlights, we have one success and one failure to cover. I, I do find it funny that you characterize this as a success and a failure, because I was thinking, oh, it's two failures. I wrote two failures in the show notes, but... Fine, we can we can put a positive spin in it. So I was the only way to spin it. What are you talking about? I I just I just thought it was funny because I was looking at the downloads of the podcast and I I just noticed that on one particular day we'd actually had a whole bunch of downloads of an episode with a really long and unwieldy title. So we called this episode Mario Kart Eight, Zelda DLC, PUBG, and Phoenix Point. That underlines the fact that having a descriptive title makes all the difference. Maybe comedy titles aren't the way to go. Back to your point. So I just thought, oh, what do we actually talk about in the episode? Obviously it's in the title, duh. But I was just skipping through the audio and I, I introduced you as like Ting, my therapist, but that you said you'd be out of a job soon. You know, you didn't need to be my therapist anymore. And I said what's the release date for my Mario Maker clone? Because I said, oh, I'm going to make a Mario Maker clone. That's what I'm going to do this year. And I said, you know, Q4 2017. And you were like, no, nah, no way, man. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. So here we are in Q4 2017. And um, a success is that you're not my therapist anymore because I've actually got an actual therapist. <laughs> and a failure because, uh, no, my Mario Maker clone is, is nowhere to be seen. Whoops, because I discovered PUBG instead. So that's not what I expected. I expected Super Michael Maker would be out by now. Yeah. And that you would be more self-reliant. I think I had a good, uh, I think I had a lot of good ideas for Super Michael Maker. I think I should still do it. If I, if I put 400 hours into that instead of PUBG. That would only be 10 weeks though. That's true when you put it like that. Well, who knows? There's always 2018. There's always next year. We can always just kick the can down the road. So they won't go any further. <laughs> what, what? Are you saying until I die? Thanks a lot, dude. So, on to the meaningless awards of 2017. <laughs> we've kept the same awards as we have done every year. Are these the same awards we've done every year? I think so. Okay. I mean, we definitely called them the Meaningless Awards last year, so the Meaningless Awards 2017 is definitely appropriate. Our usual disclaimer, these are meaningless because we played only a a subset of all the games out in 2017, and that's why they're meaningless. Well, I think last year we actually even said it doesn't have to be a game that came out in in year XX, it just has to be a game that we played in year XX, and that made it doubly meaningless. But Let's have that as well then. I, I think all of our actual selections came out this year, so we don't need to make that disclaimer. But it kind of does apply anyway. So the first one, Meaningless Multiplayer Award 2017. This is extra meaningless because I've gone with COD World War 2. And who would give COD World War 2 an award of any kind? Well, it's a, it's a massive game. Loads of people would give COD World War 2 an award. It's why people suffer it. It's like, he's really popular, let's remember the party, but we don't really like him. Were there two COD games this year? Was COD Infinity War last year? Or was it this year as well? It was last year. Really? Wow, time really flies. I mean, we actually both played COD World War II. I prefer this over Battlegrounds. So you, you prefer this over PUBG? Yeah, because there's, there's progression and the game times are shorter, which is really unfortunate because that's the nature of my life. you got to play with the controller, man. I mean, I guess I could have bought it on PC. But then you would have blamed all the hacking and cheating. I mean, I played this too. I was bullied, in inverted commas, into buying this by you and the former Destiny squad. The former Destiny squads have put out a statement saying that they have invited you to play and they have been playing. And it's your own fault. It's not your own fault, actually. You've got a better offer, if I'm honest. <laughs> 
So stick with that. I mean, for me, obviously, I rate Battlegrounds PUBG over this. I did play it a few times. I did quite enjoy it, but I'm just not good at shooting the controller. I find it very frustrating. And yeah, there's progression. I put a few hours into it, actually. I played it longer than I thought I would. I did quite like it. Which leads us nicely on to your best multiplayer game of 2017. Which is obviously PUBG. Enough said. I mean, we've talked about we've devoted multiple episodes of this freaking podcast to it. Yeah, PUBG. It's not even... Okay, at the time that we're recording this podcast, it's not even been released, version 1.0. But I've been playing it on the test server. It's showing great promise. And to be honest, forget the test server build, forget the new map, even the game as it is at the time we're recording with the existing map and all the bugs and performance problems it has is still an incredible game. It's still the most fun computer game of this year by a long way for me. Does this mean you can't vote for this next year? Oh, because it's meaningless. Obviously, you can. I, yeah, I think we shouldn't. Yeah, I think you shouldn't be able to vote for the same game twice. Fine. Well, the thing is, it's going to come out 1.0 in 2017 anyway. So. Although we said it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Next year's problem is a problem for next year. So That's true. See, that's the attitude you should have all the time. Oh, this therapy is really paying off. Next award. So the meaningless award for the best game that's not PUBG. I've given it to Zelda Breath of the Wild. Only because I didn't finish Mario Odyssey. Well, you still didn't finish Mario Odyssey. No. Oh, so we'll have to talk about that next year then. Yes, we do. Okay. Well, I also gave it to Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, so I feel... Even though I did finish Mario Odyssey. Good. It's actually a really funny choice, though, in a way. Because I think that Zelda Breath of the Wild is the better game right now. But I also think if I was to look back on it in five years' time, ten years' time, I actually think Mario Odyssey will age better than Zelda Breath of the Wild. Because I think there are a lot of things that are not right about Zelda Breath of the Wild that could be done better. And I think that the next Zelda game is probably going to actually do all the things that Breath of the Wild did right and fix a lot of the things that Breath of the Wild could have done better. Whereas Mario Odyssey is just a good game, but I don't think the next Mario game is going to iterate on it in the same way and make it a noticeably better game. But comparing the two of them directly, I prefer Breath of the Wild to Mario Odyssey, surprisingly. I actually thought I'd enjoy Mario Odyssey a lot more than I actually do. But, I mean, that's a discussion for next year when you finished it. Why do you like Zelda now, then? Zelda just gets so many things right. I mean, it's literally full of surprises, full of secrets, full of unexpected things. It's just so free. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can play the game the way you want. And it supports you however you want to do it. You know, things that I think are suboptimal and that another Zelda game is going to build on will be the dungeons and the powers you get from the dungeons. I think that was kind of underutilized. You get the kind of powers from the spirit former champions, but they don't have the same impact that, you know, the items used to give you in the older Zelda games. And the weapon durability kind of system, I think as well, could be improved upon. But, you know, as a world to explore and enjoy and discover the secrets in, I actually think Zelda Breath of the Wild's world is more fun to to explore than Mario Odyssey's. You know, Mario Odyssey is... I don't know, it's just much more linear. It, it still didn't quite... I mean, a lot of it maybe is just I'm getting old and maybe I'm being unfair... But it didn't really... So what happens when you get old, you just get unfair. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, it didn't have the same freedom that Breath of the Wild did, or even that Mario 64 did. Even after finishing it? Even after finishing it. It, it, it was freer, but it wasn't as free. I mean, I don't know if I'm being unfair, because I listened, I mean, I listened to another podcast called Dev Game Club, and they recently played 
Mario 64 as their book club game. And at least one of them had not previously finished Mario 64. So it was very interesting to hear their take on it, playing that game with fresh eyes in 2017, having not had the previous experience of playing Mario 64. And it's entirely possible that a lot of what I remember is literally a function of the age I was at the time, rather than the game itself being that good. But I don't think so. I do think that the castle of Mario 64 and the exploration of that castle was fundamentally a better design principle for a sandbox Mario game than the Odyssey and the travel mechanic of the Odyssey. But, you know, that's just my opinion. That's a very valid opinion. Changes everything. Being able to choose is the element, even if it's a false element of choice, it's a choice nonetheless, having that castle. Wait, that's a discussion for another day. Next up is Mist in 2017. I've gone with Divinity Original Sin 2 and Persona 5. Oh, two monstrously long games. So obviously I missed them. Because Persona 5 came out just a month before Zelda. And Divinity I talked about playing, but I didn't. I don't really have the time. But it seems like people have been saying it's the best one since Baldur's Gate. You know, they're, they're saying it's the best CRPG, if that's the right acronym, since Baldur's Gate 2. I played a tiny amount of Divinity Original Sin 2. But not enough to really appreciate it. Not enough to really tell, you know... How free, how open... Yeah, exactly. I, I barely saw what it had to offer. I literally just went through the character creator and then talked to a few NPCs. So, I mean, I played the first one and it does seem like it builds on everything the first one did and then some. But I guess we'll both have to get to it at some point. Maybe it can be the book club game one day. <laughs> in like 2023. And yours? So I've also picked Persona 5. I just keep hearing so much about it and all the Persona games in general. I don't know when I'm ever going to play it. I don't know if it's really going to be as good as everyone says. I think there is some like slightly weird stuff in it. Too vague. I know there, okay, so I know there is some slightly controversial social justice warrior-esque stuff in it about, like, sexual exploitation of one of the characters or something. It sounds quite dubious. So, who knows? I, don't, I really know very little about it. I mean, that's all I've heard about it since, other than that it was good. It's like people talking about this problematic quest line in it. But who knows, really? I mean, that's not really why I'd be playing it anyway. Do many games have this mechanic where you have to juggle two lives and having to time manage all of that i don't think so i mean okay, i think that should have them make that game make that game i think i don't really know what it is about persona 5 that's supposed to be so good and i almost don't want to know too much about it because i kind of want to be like oh so that's why everyone loves it when i play it because otherwise you know it might just lead to disappointment and then my other one because we're both picking two Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, I don't know that much about it, but it kind of looks like Zelda PS4 edition. It's another open world sandboxy RPG with a load of powers and freedom. I watched some <laughs> like tiny snippet of it where I think it was for the DLC and it shows Aloy, like the main character, just running through some snow and being like chased by giant robotic dinosaurs. But I was just seriously thinking, whoa. That's snow, man. That looks like real snow. And I was just, I, I literally was actually trying to think, how are they simulating this snow? Like, I literally could not think of an efficient way to simulate the snow. And I can't tell if they're just really, really smart. Because obviously I'm not an expert in this field. There are probably lo loads of techniques I don't know about. So maybe they can efficiently simulate it. Or maybe they're just throwing so much computational horsepower at it that it doesn't matter. But that snow looked like real snow. And that made me think, wow, maybe I can't be a game dev anymore. You know, you're competing with people who can make snow that looks like real snow. So just some context. So usually you just see footsteps in snow. That's it. It's as simple as that. But now the 
the snow is moving in such a way that it's uncovering the grass beneath it. Yeah, she she was running through the snow and it was kind of like thigh high or maybe even waist high snow that she's like pushing through. And the snow is kind of like piling up either side of her and you can see her trampling blades of grass. And then as she clears the snow out of the way, you can see the, the grass kind of like spring up and poking through the snow. And the snow is kind of like furrowing and piling up and like clumping and then like collapsing in a really realistic way. And I was just thinking, this is incredible. It really looks like real snow. It was amazing. So I wanted to play it for the snow physics. <laughs> I don't know. And the tree physics? Yeah, there's, there's a similar scene where like a giant kind of T-Rex thing just like smashes through a tree. And again, that was just like, what? Honourable mentions? Honourable mention. Mario. Mario. Don't need to say any more. Yeah, we both said a lot about it. I mean, I think in any other year, Mario would probably have been a solid choice for Game of the Year. But this year, surprisingly, it had tough competition. Surprisingly tough competition. Finally. Finally. So... To finish up, a retrospective on the book club games. I'm surprised we didn't do this earlier. Maybe we have to do a grander retrospective for all the games at some point. So this year we've played through five. We're just going to recap them and then we'll we'll do a, a conclusion or summary towards the end of that. So first up this year was Earthbound. Which has been on the list for a long time, I feel. And we finally went with it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Earthbound, Earthbound, Earthbound. I mean, I guess this is like a 20-year-old game. And it's one that I'd heard so much about. I suppose I had tried to play it on and off a few times. But this is the first time I actually played it all the way through. I don't know, man. I thought it would have more impact on me than it did. You know what my enduring memory of Earthbound is? The Sword of Fricking Kings. I spent like an entire day trying to farm for this fricking sword and didn't get it. Jeez. It was good to play something where you had to just relearn everything. Everything was a bit different, a bit odd, a bit weird. Yeah, it, it was. It definitely was good to try something different that that was both familiar and different at the same time. Well, familiar to me. I mean, maybe not for you if you didn't play turn-based RPGs. Following that was Red Dead Redemption. Finally, we got round to it. Yeah, and for me, Red Dead Redemption was surprisingly good. I don't think I actually cared about playing it that much, to be honest. Like, at some point, I stopped kind of caring about the Rockstar sandbox type games. They just, they just didn't seem different enough to me to warrant playing. They kind of just felt like they were just more of the same. It's like, well, what can you do? What, you know? How can you surprise me? You know, show me something new. But it did. I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. How does it compare to GTA V? I actually think it was more believable than GTA V in some respects. I mean, a lot of it's probably just a matter of familiarity. Like, I know what it's like to live in a gigantic city. And I know what how big a gigantic city is meant to be. And I know what it's like to drive a car and stuff. Whereas... I don't really know what it's like to ride on horseback through, you know, the Wild West. And so for RDR, maybe it just seemed more believable in a sense because I have less to benchmark it against. But it it felt like a really convincing sandbox of the wilderness to play in. I mean, your take on it? It wasn't gamey enough for me. (laughs) You wanted more achievements? Yeah, I think because GTA 5 does that. There are more distractions and more things to do, more things to make yourself part of that world. Whereas with Red Dead, you're just... The narrative is the main thing you're you're playing for. And not necessarily just the world. Which brings us nicely on to Sleeping Dogs. Another one that's been on my backlog for some time. And I'm glad I played it, and yet... I think... As a game, it wasn't anything that special. Like, it was kind of, 
you know, I think I played it mostly for the setting because it's set in Hong Kong and we're in Hong Kong and it was interesting to play a game set in a city that you currently live in. But I don't think any of the mechanics held up as well as the ones in, you know, the GTA games and or Zelda or, you know, actually I say that. I think I found the shooting less frustrating than I did in like GTA 5. The GTA 5 shooting was just like nuts until you taught me about the stupid get behind cover and pop up auto aim. I really struggle with the shooting in Sleeping Dogs. So you know what? Sleeping Dogs doesn't have this weird auto aim thing that GTA does. And I guess you're just used to that. And I'm just used to, to not having the hand holding. So for GTA, I used to spend ages lining up shots that I didn't have to do because you can just pop out and it will auto aim. Whereas in Sleeping Dogs, you do have to line up your shots. But at least I wasn't fighting with the system. I mean, Sleeping Dogs definitely did have some great moments. Like the last mission with the chopper. I I really enjoyed that. You know, that that was fantastic. It does really do Hong Kong action film style sequences very well. Next up. Injustice 2. You said this was an odd one for you. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since I played a fighting game. And then also, I don't really know the DC universe that well. But I actually went to see Justice League yesterday. And it really struck me how well Injustice 2 captures the DC comics compared to the films. You know, like, Injustice 2 feels just as good a representation of these characters as the films do. I don't know if that's praise of the films or an insult to Injustice 2, but you do really feel like they've captured these characters really well. I mean, your thoughts? Anything in particular to say about it? Nothing new to say about it. I definitely don't feel so intimidated by these fighting games anymore. I mean, when, you know, Soul Calibur 6, when that comes out, that could be quite interesting. Finally, her story. Do you want to talk about her story again? Some more. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we. I feel like we only just talked about it. Uh, I'm glad I played it. It's been on my backlog to play for, uh, well, since it came out, really. And you know what? It was short. I was worried it was going to be like a 15, 20 hour game. I just didn't think I could handle that. But actually it was only a couple of hours. So. 15 to 20 hours of FMV, imagine that. Well, exactly. That's why I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can deal with this. Yeah, it was good. It was good and it made me think. And it made us disagree. <laughs> She's obviously one person, Mike. <laughs> so let's wrap up. Of those five, which one surprised you the most? I guess I'm surprised I didn't enjoy Earthbound more. I'm surprised how much I did enjoy RDR. And then the others, you know, I I enjoyed all of them, but I'm surprised we disagreed as much as we did on her story. (laughs) I think as part of the book club, I'm playing more games to completion. I'm not just playing games with mechanics anymore and not just gameplay. And it means narrative is much more important to me now. And I'm really surprised. I, I really enjoyed her story. I would never have played that game if you, if we didn't play as part of a book club. There's no other reason in my life to play her story, unless someone sat me down with them to play it. Well, I think that's the point of the book club. That's the point of us doing this stuff. I mean, we should think about what we want to play for next year as well. I mean, there's other kind of arty experimental games, kind of like this that we could play. Like, you know, I'm quite interested in what remains of Edith Finch, for example. I want to play Firewatch, but I couldn't tell you whether it's a good game or not. I may suggest it only for you to question my judgment. No, I think we should play it. I haven't played it. I mean, there are definitely games that I kind of want you to play, but I've played them before. But they will torture us. That's all I know. No, no. (laughs) On the one hand, I would really like you to play the original XCOM, but I do know that that will be cruel and unusual, so I won't really force you to play that. There's other much shorter games like Antichamber. I think would be good if we played as a book club game. I think they're they're much shorter and still really fun. It's probably on a similar length of time to Firewatch. I mean, it's like a four or five hour game. Anyway. Well, any closing words for 2017? <laughs> you, you sent me 
No. Who sent that comic? About, Kevin. Yeah, 2017, it's over. Yay. And then like this really muscly, like 2018 comes along. And it's like, right. No, 2018 would be much better. <laughs> Isn't the character curled up in a ball and 2017 is just kicking him? Yeah. And then 2018 shows up. And this is like massive, muscly dude. And the comment is 2018 would be much better. <laughs> and then you sent me an animoji. <laughs> That's why you should get an iPhone 10. Yeah, that's that's another 2018 thing as well then. Any 2018 things you're looking forward to in particular? Uh Super Michael Maker. <laughs> Damn it, I have to deliver now. <laughs> and PUBG, Sir Michael's PUBG top 10,000, top 1,000, sorry. Yeah, weirdly, I'm actually not sure what I'm anticipating for next year. I think I'm just going to wait and see what surprises me. To be honest, I think something's going to come completely out of left field that'll end up being my game of the year. I mean, it'll be like PUBG again, you know? I'd never heard of it. And then I was like, oh, what's this game? And then 400 hours later, it's like, this game is amazing. You just want to play this game and nothing else. What is it? It's PUBG. Again? <laughs> yes. It's PUBH. Player unknown's Battlehounds. It's like <laughs> PUBG, but it's kind of crossed with like a dog simulator. On that note, goodbye 2017. Farewell. You served us well. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. You can find us on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. You can find us on Reddit. Slash R slash Lost Levels Club. You can find us on both YouTube and Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. What's am Michael grateful for today? Tin boiled oysters? So Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>